Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. All right, we'll go ahead and get started. Thank you for coming on, Pastor Others. It's a blessing to have you on for today's episode, for this interview, and I'm excited to ask you these questions and get going on that. But as an opening question that I ask every guest that comes on, uh, do you mind just sharing with us your salvation testimony, how you came to know Christ? Absolutely. I love telling my salvation story. I'll actually begin uh, at birth. I was born into a pastor's home, and so I had an opportunity uh, to grow up around the gospel and because of that, I heard the gospel, no doubt, many times before I was, you know, even four years old. Uh, but at the age of uh, four, at that time, my dad was in evangelism. And on February the 8th, 1993, uh, we attended a uh, preacher's meeting, basically, in the daytime in Columbia, Tennessee. And we were heading to a revival, which was being preached by Brother Jim Tedder, which is our pastor at the time. Uh, in Tullahoma, Tennessee. And so we had about an hour drive and a man by the name of Charles Dixon was with us. He was a tract printer uh, based out of Brother Steve Freeman's church in Winchester. And he printed gospel Mm -hmm. tracts and no doubt he brought some gospel tracts with him that day. And as we were driving toward Tullahoma, I picked up one of the gospel tracts and the front of it said, heaven or hell, the choice is yours. And I was only four, but Uh, Those were words I've seen a lot, and I understood what they were. And so I looked over at my Mm -hmm. mom, and I told her, I said, hey, when I turn, there's a dispute on what I said. She says, I said, when I turned five, because I told this story in church one Mm -hmm. time, but I remember it this way. When I I told her when I turned seven, (laughs) and and seven's Mm -hmm. my favorite number, uh, which we'll probably talk about uh, again later on, but uh, seven, seven's my favorite number. Mm. So I said, when I turn seven, I'm going to get saved. And then after I get saved, I'm going to get baptized. Cause I know that's what God wants you to do after you get saved. And so she began to ask me questions to make sure I understood what I was talking about. It's always difficult when you're dealing with kids, um, really knowing their understanding level. Mm. And so she began to ask me some questions. Yes, and sir. of course I knew what sin was. I heard a lot of preaching against it and, uh, I knew mm-hmm. the price for sin that the price for sin was an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And I knew that I couldn't pay that price, but Jesus Christ came to the earth. He uh, lived a perfect life, God in the flesh, and he died on the cross, was buried and resurrected to pay the price for my sins. And so uh, that night, February the 8th, 1993, on the way to a revival meeting, I asked um, Christ to save me. And uh, that was the day of my salvation. I went that night forward in the uh, altar call and talked to Brother Jim and explained to him that I'd gotten saved. And then uh, a couple weeks later, uh, we were back in Victory Baptist Church um, and I got baptized. Brother Jim Tedder baptized me as my first act of obedience after salvation and make it a public profession of my faith. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's wonderful there. Now, building off of that, uh, do you mind sharing us how you answered the call to ministry and how that came about in your life? Sure. So I Um, I guess there were multiple calls to ministry, I guess you would say. There was uh, the time when I knew Mm -hmm. that God had called me, but uh, I kind of got pushed into ministry a little bit. Uh, When I was seven years old, my dad and our family, we started a church here in Lewisburg, which is the church I now have the opportunity to pastor. 
And mm -hmm. so because of that, uh, there were lots of opportunities to serve just as a, as a Christian in the church. Uh, at the age of 10 years old, my, our song leader, he, he left the church. They went somewhere else, and we were without a song leader. Being a small church, and my dad had two sons, he said to my older brother, you get to lead singing on Sunday morning. And uh, he told me I get to lead singing on Sunday night. And so we did that for one week. And <laughs> after that, my brother never led singing again uh, that I know of. And so I became the song leader of our church actually <laughs> at 10 years old and did that until I went off to college. Mm. Um, I taught Sunday school, things like that. But my real call to what I consider ministry uh, took place in uh, about 2003. And uh, I was at youth camp, Victor Baptist Church youth camp. And brother, mm. um, I honestly don't remember who was preaching that year. Uh, I did not surrender in one of the services. In fact, we had services all the way through Friday night back then. Now we stop on Thursday nights. We had it through Friday night back then. Mm. And through all the services, um, I never once uh, surrendered. It wasn't that God had been calling me. He'd been working on me, I think, for probably at least a year. But uh, I, I couldn't say yes. And finally... That last night of youth camp, while every kid stays up late, you know, uh, once every other kid went to sleep, I still couldn't sleep. God just wouldn't give me rest. And so uh, that night was the night I surrendered. I told the Lord if he'd give me some sleep the next morning, I'd go tell the youth camp director that I had surrendered to preach. And so the next morning I did, went home and told my dad, and, and uh, he's not one to wait. He said, all right, good, you'll preach tomorrow night. And that was the beginning of my preaching and my answer of my call to ministry. That is wonderful. Now, how long have you been the pastor there at Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church? Uh, November 4th will be nine years, nine years of pastoring. Wow. So nine years as a pastor there. Now, I, one thing I know about you is those listening might not necessarily know. But uh, Pastor Josh Leathers here is a full-time pastor at Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church, and he's also a full-time Christian school teacher at Victory Baptist Academy, and does both of those. Uh, so, and, and one who's doing that, I know you're a busy person, and you're always teaching or preaching or with your family. You know, you're always busy off doing something. What would you say is a spiritual lesson, or maybe even a spiritual discipline, that God has taught you as a Christian school teacher that has helped you as a pastor today? Mm, that's that's a good question. Um, there are probably many, but I think one spiritual discipline is understanding that people are important, and uh, that includes every person. I, I've had the opportunity over the last, uh, I think it's 12 or 13 years now, uh, to teach in the Christian school, and just like at any school, there is a turnover of students. We don't necessarily have the same student from the beginning of school until they graduate, um, they come and they go. And that is both a difficult thing, but it's also an awesome opportunity uh, because other people do take their place and you get to minister to other people, but we never know exactly how long they're going to be there. And I've learned that if we're not careful, we'll get so busy doing and quote unquote serving that we will forget who we're serving. And so one of the things that I've learned, especially dealing with students, is that every student is important. And you don't always know which student's going to do great things in the world and which student's not. Uh, I know sometimes we'll look at a, a student and think, wow, this one's got great potential. And they do. I believe everybody's created with great potential, uh, but they don't use it. And so 
Uh, I believe every person's important, and that transfers over to church as well. Every person that walks in the doors, uh, they're important. It doesn't matter if they've been a long-term member, if uh, this is their first week, that they're important. And we got to be careful that we don't get so busy with the routine and the planning and making sure everything goes according to schedule that we don't care for people. And that's, that's everyone. And we should care for, as the book of James tells us, the rich man that comes in in bold, fancy apparel, and the person uh, who is poor, we should treat them in the same way. And I think that's a very important thing to try to uh, submit to the Holy Spirit in doing, as we discipline our life according to Christ's teachings, people were important. And he, he wasn't more concerned with the Pharisees than he was the woman caught in adultery. He wasn't more concerned with uh, maybe the, the, the Sanhedrin, if you will, uh, as he was the, uh, the woman at the well. Every person was important because he came to die for all of them. They're all created in the image of God, and we need to remember that everyone is important. Yes, sir, and I think that's a great lesson, something that I believe each of us need to work on. I know I need to work on that, and I'm sure everyone listening today right now knows that you need to work on that. I, mean, it's I need to work on with. that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> something, you know, as you said, like looking for the individual, because as you said, you know, we might want to, you know, our nature may say, I need to spend more time influencing this person because they have more potential than the other person and so forth, or I'm going to have this person for X amount of years. But when in reality, we don't know what is going on in their mind. We don't know what potential, we don't know what's going to happen with the potential they have. We don't know what's going to happen in their life. As you said, they may move away. They may not. And you never know. And I believe each of us need to take that uh, thing more seriously, investing in people and just working with the individual, as you said. Now, moving on to our next question here, as a person I've known who's had many Pauls in your life. Now, what I'm, if, if you're listening and you're wondering, what do I mean by that? I mean someone in your life that's older than you, more seasoned than you, that is pouring themselves into you. So like, like the Apostle Paul did with the Timothy or a Titus or with others in the Bible. So is one pastoral others who's had many different Pauls in your life. Uh, can you speak to us on the need and the importance of having those seasoned Christians in your life that are pouring themselves into you and investing in your life? Absolutely. This is a very important question, I think, for Christians in general, but especially uh, people who are in ministry, is understanding that we do need people like, like Timothy had Paul to mentor and to train him. And, and I think it's very important that we understand that Paul was someone who knew Timothy very well. I think if we're not careful, sometimes we will almost begin to think, oh, we've got a, a, a young preacher boy here. He can go to Bible college, and in four years, he'll learn everything that he needs to know. And uh, you're, you're in Bible college, getting close to finishing it up, and you, and you know mm. that uh, it is a very valuable resource, but it's not enough. It's just not enough. And so uh, mm. having a Paul in your life is important. I know for me personally, I had the opportunity to be around a lot of great preachers. And uh, some of them were, were well-known, some of them were not well-known, but growing up in a pastor's home and an evangelist home, uh, I, I got to meet a lot of great people. There were five men who I would consider, they were my primary mm -hmm. Pauls. Now, I had more, but there were five men, Brother Jim Tedder, who pastored for nearly 60 years at Victory Baptist Church, mm -hmm. who was my pastor for some time before we started the church. Mm -hmm. There is my dad, who, of course, I've known my whole life and uh, has been my pastor uh, for most of my life. Uh, Brother Steve Freeman, who I mentioned earlier, Brother David Pierce, and Brother mm. Cleet Bowman. All of them were pastors, and all of them were great mm. men of God who God used in a great and mighty way. Now, none of them were necessarily famous people. 
but they didn't seek fame. They weren't concerned with being sensational. Mm -hmm. They were concerned with being servants. And honestly, though I value my time in college, when it comes to pastoring, I learned more from those five men than probably the accumulation of all the others who, who taught me. And the reason for that, I believe, is because they knew me. And they didn't just invest in a crowd. They invested in me, and they, they took time for me. And I know personally that probably I wouldn't be where I'm at in ministry if it weren't for these men who guided me, gave me advice. I remember one time particularly, uh, I actually had preached at a meeting, and uh, uh, older, um, an older man who was, was very keen of himself uh, came up and, and, and basically, um, trying to think of a nice way to say it, but basically said, keep trying. <laughs> and uh, that, that honestly <laughs> to a young preacher was a little bit devastating. Here's this man who, um, who uh, you know, travels around and preaches, and I go up there and pour my heart out, and he's like, nice try, you know. And as, after he walked away, one of those <laughs> men looked at me and said, son, you don't ever want to be where he's at. And uh, to a young preacher, wow, that was true. That was so encouraging. And, and I agree with his assessment today. Uh, we need to be careful that we don't overlook the young generation or push them away. If we're not careful, we can push them away. Uh, so I, I definitely believe having a mentor who knows you personally and can, who, who has experienced what you will experience and can guide you is of utmost importance. Yes, sir. And I, I agree with what you said there wholeheartedly. It's so true having that mentor, that person that you can go to, because as you said, you know, in college, yes, you're learning a lot. And I believe it's important and it's been valuable to me. But as you said, many like in, in the classroom and in the teachers and things, they're teaching to the group, not to the individual. But when you have that mentor, that person that knows you personally, they're able to minister specifically to you in your heart. And they know what you're going through in your life experiences and you're able just to go to that person who is like a Paul or a mentor in your life. And I've had many mentors in my life as well. And several of the mentors that you had mentioned are mentors of, uh, were mentors of mine. And they played, played a great role in my spiritual development. And one of the reasons I'm where I'm at today is because of some of those. And as you said with you, some of the reasons you're here today is because of those Pauls that God has placed in your life. Now, on the flip side of that, so the first question there was on having a Paul in your life. On the flip side here, uh, talking about having a Timothy in your life. So instead of, you know, you being the role of Timothy and the mentor being the role of Paul, now you're the role of Paul and you have a Timothy, a younger person in your life that you are mentoring. So do you mind speaking to us on the need of not only having a Paul in your life, but also having those young Timothys and Tituses that you are influencing to, as a Paul to them? Absolutely. I, I think this is very important. And honestly, it's something that I have spent probably – more time thinking about in the past year. And the reason for my, my thoughts on this is several of the men who I mentioned, three of the five men that I mentioned passed away in the past year. And so they're no longer here. They're no longer here to mentor and to pour into people like me, to pour into people like you and others uh, who are growing mm -hmm. in their ministry and opportunities that God lays out and Having their guidance uh, was invaluable, but now we don't, we don't have them to speak into our lives. And so recently I've been mm -hmm. convicted with the importance 
of making sure that, yes, you have a Paul in your life, but that you also have some Timothys as well. Because I, I thought about this. What if the wisdom that these men passed down to me stopped with me? What a waste. Mm. That is literally just a waste. Now, I don't have great wisdom in of myself, but I have been taught many valuable lessons by these great men and along with other people whom God has used in my life. And it's important that we pass that down to the next generation. I think it's very important that we include the next generation. If we're not careful, we buy into mm -hmm. society's uh, segmenting of different generations as if they can't get along. I'm thankful that the young man and the old man can work together and accomplish much for the glory of God. But one of the things that we have to do is we have to give young Timothys opportunities. We have to give them opportunities. And I'm thankful for Brother David Pierce, who mm -hmm. often gave me the opportunity to preach in his pulpit. I'm thankful for, for people who would, would give me a chance. And did I let them down? I'm sure mm -hmm. I did. Now, did they ever let me know it? No, but I'm sure I let them down. But they gave me a chance because they knew <laughs> I was going to make mistakes. They understood that. I believe Timothy made some mistakes, but Paul, instead of just chiding him, he taught him and he gave him an opportunity. I'm reminded of uh, Mark as well. Uh, John Mark, he, he quit. He literally quit. And many people would just write mm -hmm. him off. But uh, Barnabas didn't. And in fact, Paul and Barnabas actually had a split there. So in that area, maybe you need to be a Barnabas. <laughs> and, uh, he, he, he continued, and later on in the ministry, Paul said of, of the one that he once did not like, he said he's valuable to me in the ministry. I'm glad Barnabas gave him a chance, and we have to be careful that we do give young people a chance to grow and for God to use them, and I, I was talking to a, a preacher at youth camp this year, and, and he said something to me that was very encouraging. He didn't know I was thinking about this because I still consider myself a young preacher. Uh, I've been pastoring now for nine years. I've been preaching now, uh, I don't know, for around 18 years, I think it is. Uh, but I still consider myself a young preacher, both by age and experience. Uh, so sometimes if I'm not careful, I will not say something because I don't think I'm wise enough or good enough to say it, if you will. I have a strength slash weakness, and it depends in which way it's applied, whether it's a strength or weakness, and that's mm. this. If something can be better, I want it to be better. Now, that's a strength because I think we should do all things well for the glory of God, but it's also mm. a weakness because sometimes I won't do something because I will think I'm not good enough to do that. We'll mm. let somebody else who's better do that, but this, this, this man uh, at, at youth camp, his name's Brother Tony Wood. He, he shared this with me, uh, uh, unknowing that I was having sort of this, this dialogue in my head, and mm -hmm. he shared this. He said, listen, in order to help someone understand or learn a lesson, you just have to be one step ahead of them. He said, if you need to teach someone a lesson, you can learn it the day before and teach it the day after. And I thought, that is wonderful. I'm not, a, I'm not a man who's been in ministry for 60 years, but I have been in ministry for 18 years. I can help someone. I may, not, I may or may not be able to help someone who's been in ministry for 20 years, but I can help someone who's been in ministry for two. I just have to be one step ahead. And by one step ahead, 
That just means that I received a piece of advice or knowledge or wisdom from someone and I pass it down. Isn't that what we do with our preaching? We get the mm -hmm. wisdom of the word of God yeah. and just pass it on to the people. It's not because we know everything. It's, it's not because we are perfect in all these areas. In fact, you know this and any preachers know this. When you preach the word of God, it probably convicts you more than it does the people. But we still pass <laughs> on what God has given us. And I think it's important mm -hmm. that we pass on the lessons that the Pauls in our life has passed to us to the next generation. Yes, sir. And I agree with everything you said there. Uh, it reminds me of this past summer when I was interning at that church in Georgia. Uh, their pastor there, Pastor Brian Cooper, made a statement to me often, and he was talking to me about ministry and things. And he would always tell me, he said, you know, when you pass off the scene, when you pass away, the last thing you want is for your impact to end right there. You want to be pouring yourself into as many people as possible and influencing as many people as possible, because one day you're going to breathe your last breath and you don't want your ministry to end when you pass off the scene. And I believe, like instance in the Bible there with Paul, his ministry continued on in the life of Timothy and the life of Titus and the life of John, Mark and others because he was an influencer and a mentor in their life. And I think it's the same thing for us. And if you're listening today, I would encourage you on that last thing on having a Timothy in your life. I would encourage you to find someone younger than you. Find someone maybe with not as many life experiences as you. And just really pour your life into that person and really try to influence them and influence them for the cause of Christ. And really just pour yourself into them. Share with them the life experiences that you've learned, the lessons you've learned from the mistakes you've made. Uh, and different things like that, and really just begin to pour your life into those people. Uh, so That's here, moving good. on, uh, changing gears from mentorship and being mentored in your life. Uh, moving on, talking about preaching here, something I know you're very passionate about as a pastor, uh, and it's something in specific here in, in regards to preaching. I know that you preach primarily expositional. So do you mind just explaining briefly with the audience what expositional preaching is and then after that, maybe explain why it's so important for preachers today, specifically for younger preachers, maybe my age, that teenager, young adult, and for younger preachers, why expositional preaching is important. Sure. When, when I hear the term expositional preaching, what I simply think of is preaching through a passage of Scripture, typically through a book, in order, verse by verse or passage by passage. And looking at it within its context and looking at what God was trying to tell us through his word, specifically through this text. And I think it's very important uh, because the Bible, in the Bible, we are, as preachers are instructed to preach the word. Now, I'm not against topical preaching and, and different styles of preaching as long as it's the word of God being preached. However, we're supposed to preach the whole counsel of God. And if we're not systematically preaching through books of the Bible, oftentimes there is much of the Bible that we will neglect. Now, I preached for quite some time before I started preaching mm -hmm. expositionally through books of the Bible. And what's amazing to me is how much of the Bible I never preached, yet at the same time preached mm -hmm. the same passage over and over and over again. And I believe there are many reasons for that, but I was neglecting, if you will, much of the Word of God. Uh, right now, on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Habakkuk. I have never preached through the book of Habakkuk prior to preaching. Now, through the book of Habakkuk all these years later. But I have to say this. It is a treasure trove of wisdom 
for our current generation. You know, oftentimes we look at those minor prophets and think, mm. ah, let's, let's just shy away from those. But wow, I have noticed as we've gone through this, it is so important for today. Now, personally, one of the reasons why expositional mm. preaching works well for me is, as you said before, I am bivocational. So I work year-round full-time at the school as well as year-round full-time at the church, which means I don't have a lot of time. And if I spend hours upon hours every week praying about what I should preach this week, that's hours and hours of time that I can't prepare and be thinking about and pondering about what I am preaching this week. And so I do mm -hmm. bathe in prayer, uh, what book to start next, and then I allow the Holy Spirit just to guide me and, you know, how big of a section of it should I preach this week? And, and as he guides me, uh, I follow his leadership. Now, some people's, um, I guess, argument against expositional preaching is uh, this teaching that you need to have the pulse of your church and know what your church needs to hear so that they will have messages that are relevant to them. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that is this. The Holy Spirit knows much more than I do what my people need. And one of the things that I've noticed since I've started preaching expositionally through Scripture is that what the people need and what the passage is often goes so hand in hand, I couldn't have planned it, but God did. Uh, I'm thinking of as we went through the book of Matthew, mm -hmm. it took us some time to go through the book of Matthew. And when we were in, I don't know, we'll say chapter 15, uh, something came about that I knew that someone in the church needed. As a pastor, you do um, if, if you do know your church people, you know certain things are going through mm -hmm. and so forth. And it just so happened the next week, that was what the passage was on. And it wasn't that I was preaching to them, but it was the Holy Spirit had orchestrated this so that they would get exactly what they need. God mm -hmm. knows our people more than we do. And the Word of God Amen. is alive, it's powerful. And that's the entire word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction. And that's all scripture. The Old Testament, the New Testament, the minor prophets, the major prophets, the poetry books, uh, the prophecy books, they're all important for the believer today. And I believe mm -hmm. expositional preaching is just a great strategy to preach the word. Yes, sir. I definitely agree with that. And I, I've made it a goal of mine to as much as possible preach expositionally. And I know in doing so, it's helped me in my walk with the Lord. And it's helped me as a preacher stay biblically grounded, because especially I know myself and other young preachers of mine that are friends of mine that are young preachers. I know many times we may wrestle with, you know, what do these texts mean? We're just young people. We might not understand the meaning of what do some of these verses mean. But when you look at that verse, you know, in the context of the entire chapter and in context of the book, it helps you have a better understanding of many verses that you hear that you think mean one thing. But when you study it out, you find, you know, this verse doesn't mean exactly what I thought it meant. Yeah. And then when you find out many preachers, you know, when you're younger and you'll preach on a verse or something, and then you'll think you'll look back at yourself a couple of years later and you think, you know, how did I get that out of that verse? But when you study that verse, out, as I said, you know, in context of the chapter, you'll find a lot of times what the actual meanings of those verses are, because. It's like a normal book. If you're going to read, you know, a literature story, for instance, let's say you're going to read maybe, I don't know, a book like Shakespeare, you're going to read some kind of play or some kind of book. You don't start, you know, randomly several chapters in a couple stanzas in at this certain line. You start at the beginning and work your way through it to find out what the story is trying to say to you. 
And I think it's the same thing in preaching. You know, when you're jumping around a little bit here, a little bit there, many times you're missing the emphasis of the passage than you would if you just start in the beginning, work your way through the book, find out what it means in context of what's going on and so forth. Now, I will say this. I do have an advantage as a pastor to speak to the same people week after week after Mm -hmm. week. And that is an advantage over, for instance, a younger preacher might get to preach, you know, once a year in their church Mm -hmm. or maybe twice a year, and they'll get to preach in several different places. Well, you you can't really Mm -hmm. preach through a book of the Bible spread out over 27 years of preaching once a year. So here, here's just my challenge Mm -hmm. there. Topical preaching does, I think, have its place. I think this is one of those areas uh, where it does have its place. But also remember, even if you're doing topical preaching, we're still supposed to be true to the text of Scripture. Um, The the Scripture is not just something that we can read so that we can preach our sermon. It is what we are to preach. And so I encourage, even if you have a standalone sermon that's not part of a series, uh, study the surrounding context, know what's going on in Scripture, and, and make sure that we're being honest with the text that we use. Is, is just a challenge I have for those who may not have the opportunity yes, to preach to the same group over and over and over again. Amen. I stand with that. That's so true what you said there. Um, so last question here, moving on, as I say every time, this is the question I ask every single guest that comes on for the podcast. But could you share with us your life verse and then just give us a brief challenge from it? Sure. Um First of all, there's my life verse, and then I typically have a verse that's special to me for that season of life, such as in 2020, Mm -hmm. a verse that was special for that season of life was, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. At other times, it's now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. But my life verse, I would have to say that for the majority of my life was my verse, um, actually came about in a kind of silly way. And that was, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, my favorite number was seven. And oftentimes I would go to preachers mm-hmm. meetings and, you know, have preachers sign my Bible. And, and I've got one Bible that has many of the quote unquote greats of, of men of God signatures. And they always had a verse that they put with it. And I thought, what's my verse? And so I, I went to the first book of the new testament i went to the seventh verse of the seventh chapter (laughs) and that was my verse it was my favorite number and it's a good verse ask and it shall be given uh seek and you shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you and i will have to say though over time that verse did become special to me not just because of the numbers but because of the words and there's a great lesson Mm -hmm. to be learned in this verse ask seek and knock I believe each of those has a different character to it. I think that's why God didn't just say, ask and it shall be given you. I believe he added those other two phrases because they're important. But if we study out this verse, we know, and I'm sure you've heard in a sermon before, that's not just this idea of going to the Lord one time, mention it in prayer, and then it's just going to happen. It it carries with it the connotation Mm -hmm. that you ask and you ask and you ask. I think of the persistent woman with the judge. She just kept asking. I think of Paul. Paul said that he prayed thrice or three times. I believe Paul had three seasons of prayer in which he prayed. I personally don't think that was three individual prayers. I think that was three seasons of prayer. 
in which you and I both know this, when we have a serious issue, we will bathe mm -hmm. that issue in prayer. And he's saying ask. Mm -hmm. And there's no greater power that you can ask than to go before the throne of God and ask. And it says, ask and it shall be given. But then it goes on to say, seek and ye shall find. You know, oftentimes people are able to put words to things that they're not willing to put their feet to. They often will say, mm. hey, I want this. But they don't put any effort into seeking after that. And I believe one of the ways that, that mm -hmm. God works in our life is, yes, he wants us to ask, but he also wants us to get busy seeking. You know, if, if you as a, as a preacher ask God to help you preach a good sermon, but you don't seek out the word of God and you don't seek out study time, mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think we're getting what God's wanting us to do. And so we need to seek. And then it goes on Good. to say, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Uh, I truly believe there are times in life where God wants us to knock, if you will, and, and, and see, is this something that God wants uh, me to do? And it's amazing to see how God does open doors. But he rarely ever opens doors for someone who's not knocking, someone who's not trying. And as I mentioned earlier about sometimes we try things and they fail, um, but we do have to keep trying. We have to keep trying. You know, I, I think about uh, sometimes even in churches and in ministries, we'll try something and we'll put a lot of effort behind it and it will be a royal failure. <laughs> but can I tell you this? I, I thank yeah. God. I thank God gives grace to those who are, are knocking. And so we need to ask, we need to seek, and we need to knock. Be busy in prayer. Be busy in seeking God's will but also be busy in doing God's will for your life. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. It's a great challenge. Thank you for that. Uh, I know it was a blessing to me. Thank you for doing the interview. It was a blessing to me and a help and an encouragement to me. And I got some things out of it that I need to be working on in my life. And I'm sure those listening can say the same thing as well. So thank you, Pastor. Others are taking time out of your busy schedule and just doing this interview. It truly was a help and a blessing. And just as a final yeah, thing. Yes, sir. Great. Thank you for that. Do you mind uh, closing this episode out for us in a word of prayer? Absolutely. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to, to serve you. Lord, I'm thankful for not only this podcast, I'm thankful for Brother Colton and his ministry and the way in which you've used him thus far in, in his ministry, and I know will continue to. I pray that you'll bless it. Lord, I pray for these listeners, those who will take time to listen to this podcast. I pray that, Lord, it'll be a blessing to them. I pray that it'll be an encouragement. It'll be a challenge. I pray, dear Lord, that uh, you'll use this time together uh, to help maybe the next generation uh, be mentored and reached, that you'll help those of us look for people who can help us and guide us. I pray, dear Lord, above all, though, that we'll seek after you. We'll seek your will. We'll listen to your spirit. We'll grow in your grace. And Lord, we'll be a light to others so that through us they may see your glory. Lord, help us not to make it about us, but Lord, help us always to make it about you. Lord, bless this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.